0: As I've been taught uh, from the time I walked into this building, whatever comes with having great quarterbacks, it's worth it. Let's go now, little life out here. <laughs> what the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fine. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and I'm back, I'm back. Is that our Super Bowl? Did we win it? Um, is is everything okay now? You know, our playoff chances apparently went from 6% to 11.5%. And I don't know, I know what's going through your head. It's that old meme of Jim Carrey, um, you know, sorry, saying there's a chance. I can't help but feel it as well. You know, can't help but feel it. And Goody Kunst, good, good cuts, uh, come out and said some choice stuff um, as well. And you will be glad he's in the conversation. But we we'll leave that till later. Um, No, it's been good. Uh, it was a good game to have. It was a promising game to have. And we can't go any further without talking about Christian Watson. But, 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 before I go there, uh, we're nearing Christmas. Uh, so the Christmas Patreon is coming. Um, so that's going to be released very very shortly uh, and also my dream of having someone sent to Lambo on their next annual trip through Patreon I'm, I'm just going to try to keep fanning the flames of that so if you want a chance of going to Lambo hopefully I can build up enough Patreon subscribers to pay for it um, so get on to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers also uh, hopefully going to releasing a new video as well on youtube.com forward slash UK Packers i doing the housekeeping here so I'm a very good boy um, but I do want to talk about so there you go I've done it right Patreon it's like I'm looking at some other producer but it's actually all me uh, so there we go Patreon YouTube uh, and Happy Christmas and ho ho and all that I still have man flu uh, by the way uh, you know so I thought I'd give quick snaps a go because it got pretty grisly and I still have it you know um, and I would play the, will I play the, I'll play the drop will I hear hold on I think John Madden once said two cheeks equals one hand I don't <laughs> you know I think, say that. A, I think there's an argument you can't say that on <laughs> national TV <laughs> Sorry, wrong drop. Uh, I was supposed to play this one. In the air. Anyway, who cares? So let's talk about Christian Watson. So this is coming out, okay? And I always, I said the last one, uh, Steve, Stevie, Steve Sparks was saying. I said, look, I'll keep this quick. The last one, I got man fluke and I keep it quick, right? And then I think it was like forty-seven minutes or something like that. But that's uh, so Irish, Christian Watson. Coming out game. Now this is what I did say about him is that first off it's fantastic that he's happened with a very small sample size but the sample size that we are seeing is fantastic. There's stats to back that up as well. Uh, but look, it's brilliant. It's great news but what I would say is, is that uh, his road will probably get an awful lot harder um, and it'll get harder because he's going to attract more attention now and he certainly has after that other fantastic game. He had that sort of cool celebration where he throws his hands up in the air and all that kind of goes who was that England player he used to do it? Ashton? Ashton. Um and he dropped did he drop the ball once? Um but anyway. So look he's gonna garner double teams. It's only a matter of time. But he's gonna have that look, I think we should put him on sort of a scale here. He's going to have that MVS effect, if you will. And you're kind of go, Steve, what the hell is an MVS effect? Look, MVS was so quick um, and he had that sort of dynamic range and there was comparisons drawn between Christian Watson and MVS because of the drop and yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there's that kind of aspect to it that you still have to respect that he's he's there and that's certainly happening. And how we've seen that, and I tweeted this out from the group account during the game. I'm sorry if I'm sounding monotone, by the way. I'm trying my best. Um, is that he, he started garnering pass interference calls and that's when you know he's evolved you know he's starting to become the final form of of a receiver because that's when they respect you they start getting their hands on you because they need to stop you now like I said before and I think it's starting to really come true now is that you know the drops are one thing catching the ball technique route running all of that can be taught to a large degree sometimes the footwork just isn't there sometimes they never reach their potential however it's brilliant to see that Christian Watson um, is garnering that attention um, and also what I was saying was is that you cannot teach speed and the guy is unbelievably fast and I'm going to delve into some next gen stats as well but the question that I would have is is that you know would Christian Watson first of all would we have got him if he's still had Devante because the needs would have been different so the answer to that is probably no depending um, and Gurukunz Guru uh, kind of alluded to that as well uh, during the presser they asked him you know should you not have had a better succession uh, story here, you know, with Tagon and having someone in, and he kind of defended himself and said, look, we brought Lazard back, we brought Cobb back, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins we brought back, and we saw all the rhetoric uh, before the season about him being a big part of the offense and all that kind of stuff, so, you know, and this is what we always say about the first round wide receiver stuff, is that if you're a first round pick, you shouldn't have to make such a big impact at the beginning, and I think it was Jason Wilde, uh, not Jason Wald. Uh, you know sort of brought up the thing of you know you see Jordy and they had Donald Driver there and Greg Jennings was around and then Cobb was there when the Cobb and Jordy when Devontae was there and then you know Devontae was there when MVS you know and they sort of they always had sort of a veteran in the room but in fairness to Gutekunst, he said look you know we Cobb in there Lazard was kind of experienced of course they're not the marquee names you know, Cobb was at the back end of his career, uh, hands of steel. But again, you know, you're not going to call him a wide receiver number one. In fact, when Jordy went out, he wasn't even stepping up uh, to be wide receiver number one. But that's the question that I'd have. You know, would this have even happened if Devontae was there? I would prefer probably not. And then also, you know, they had no other option. The The offense was goosed, effectively. Um, so they had to go to Christian Watson and that forced both Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers to just keep going his way, because that's what we heard the The routine was, is, you know, we're just going to keep going your way, so you just expect it, will you? Because that's just what's happening. Um, so that was interesting as well. So I think that, in a way, maybe this is the season that needed to happen, because, like, season's gone past, you know, good offense, papers over, cracks, he goes to the, the old usuals, which we've seen him do with Lazard and Cobb and all that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe this was the best thing that could have happened to the Packers. If the only thing to come out of this season is Christian Watson and his rise, um, that would be amazing. Now, the thing is, look, there's massive high expectations on him and we I can't help but be sucked in by it. Uh, but what I would say is, is that, look, he's a rookie at the end of the day. Um, you know, with the tape that's out there on him, there isn't a whole lot. How people defend him, there's not a big sample size there either. He will come back to the norm a bit. You would imagine. Now, there's players like Tariq Hill, which he's been compared to in speed. And you would say, you know, there's certain stuff that as long as he keeps doing it, he's uncoverable. And that comes down to that speed. So as long as he perfects his route running. The the ceiling is so high for this kid. You know, I mean, he's so successful already. And he had surgery and injuries in the run-up. So he didn't get that proper prep in. He had injuries in the season as well. And he's had a colossal amount of touchdowns per game since week 10, which is unbelievable. So he's up there and he's been compared to Randy Moss uh, in stats and it, it, the rise is, it's out of this world. It's one of those things, it's the Rasul Douglas and the Devondre Campbell on steroids and you're not supposed to use the steroids anymore. Cause, uh, but it, it's that type of thing, you know. Um, You look at it and go, this guy's massively exceeding expectations. But don't take my word for it. Here is Aaron Rodgers describing his rise to fame it's a rapid wild development that it's hard to think about another player who goes from uh being kind of uh, um, here and there minimal production to go to type player uh home run player i mean he had two you know what 60 plus yard touchdowns it seems like uh, last week catch and run on a short one and then end around pretty special so Uh, horrendous sound quality in that uh, press conference by the way so I, I won't apologise for it. It's not me, all right? Um, so yeah, look, he is. He's that home run player. I can't think of... I know Geordie had some unbelievable runs and Devontae was next level. But I don't... In recent memory, I don't know who we can compare him to. Maybe Eddie Lacey when he got rolling. You know, but like, when was the last time you saw a Packers player? Like, look at Sammy Watkins. He starts celebrating and putting the finger up. Uh, hold on, that sounds weird. Um. So he starts celebrating and pointing his finger to the sky. That's better. Um when he he went on that sort of uh, jet sweep and what was that 30 yards out and he was already celebrating the touchdown just by the speed he got you know so when was the last time there was a player where Don Hudson probably uh, was it Don Hudson scored on every what every four catches was a touchdown or something ridiculous uh, so that's kind of the the sort of realm that he's being catapulted to now again not to be a sort of you know, to put a dampener on it. But I would say, let's just, you know, enjoy it while it's happening, but it will come back to the norm because he will get double teamed. But that comes with its own benefits too. You know, he gets better quicker, hopefully, and doesn't crumble under the pressure. And then also you get more pass interference calls. Like how many times has it been Roger's go-to to bang the ball into triple coverage to Devontae? Because A, he has a good chance of coming down with it, weirdly. And second off is that, you know, probably the worst case scenario is that you get a pass interference. Worst-case scenario, you get intercepted. But apart from that, you get that pass interference. So it's an on-the-spot foul, and you you move the ball. And that's what happened in this game. But I can't remember, in recent memory, a player that was just so dynamic that every time he got the ball, you're thinking, this could be a touchdown right now. Even if he got it at the goal line, uh, you know, of our own end zone, you sort of look at him and go, oh, you know, good things are going to happen. And that's backed up by the stats. So if you look at the next-gen stats... So if you go back to the Eagles game, Christian Watson reached a top speed per next-gen stats of 20.97 miles per hour on a 63-yard touchdown reception, which is the fastest speed by a Packers ball carrier this season. Um, and also that 20-plus miles per hour on 12th plays from scrimmage trailed only Tyree Kill. Now let's go forward uh, to the Bears game, that he reached a top speed of 21.72, which was faster than the last one, on a 46-yard touchdown run, Tying Deshaun Jackson for the fastest speed by a wide receiver this season, and he's 20 plus miles per hour, which is six of the 30 offensive touches this season, which is 20% of his touches, which is the highest rate in the NFL with a minimum of 10 touches. So where he was trailing Tyreek Hill, uh now we see that he's overtaken him, which is just unbelievable. Um so you can see the speed he has, and as long as he keeps you know, hauling the ball in, then this player could be absolutely special. He's going to build rapport there. He's obviously building trust, you know, and especially when the Packers have no other option. So they're going to go to him. And then the exciting thing that everybody's talking about, of course, is that Romeo Dubs uh, is going to come back into it. So they were sort of saying to Matt LaFleur, jokingly, you know, what what are you going to do? I mean, look at, you've got Dubs, you've got Lazard, you've got, and you know what? You would have been laughed out of the room uh, by an awful lot of the money heads as well, if you would have suggested that Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs and, you know, Watkins and Lazard and Cobb and all of these would have been good enough, I would imagine. And to a degree, you'd understand that. Of course you would, because Christian Watson, you, you like I said earlier in the pod, you don't expect him to make an impact straight away. Um, and Romeo Dubs, you know, Dobbs, you look at him in training camp and there's always a success story. Jay Coomer was Randy Moss of training camp, um, but that didn't pan out. So you look at Romeo Dobbs and, you know, Peter even put us on notice saying that this guy's going to be sneaky good. And there was nothing sneaky about it. He was a f- amazing from the off. Um, You know, a of the drops and stuff like that, which is good because Matt LaFleur came out and said, you know, we're all genuflecting at the altar of Christian Watson, not his words. Um, but he has made mistakes as well. And that's what you want to see. And that's what you expect to see, you know. And that's what I was saying about it. it's just such an instant reaction culture, a knee-jerk clickbait. You know, he makes one drop and look, like, oh, that's, it's, you know, and the only good tweet to come from it actually was, I think, probably a She TV tweet, if it was She TV, where they had how it started, him dropping the ball, how it's going, and it's him doing that dive um, over into the end zone. But those next-gen stats are, are something amazing. Um, But not to go from uh, a yay to an absolute poo-poo, but let's talk a little bit about Joe Barry again. And he's going to keep coming up in the podcast because of the performances. Um, But again, I kind of feel sorry for the guy. And I know I shouldn't, and I put this out on Twitter and someone said, oh, delete this tweet, right? Which is always, they're my favourite ones, I think, is telling me how to operate. Um, you know, Joe Barry has a superstar defence, uh, but it's no surprise uh, to anybody that they're underperforming. <laughs> a massive understatement. But, I mean, it comes down to individual performances too. And there was something that Gudekund said as well that kind of caught me um, a little bit too. And, you know, we all know i a body language expert. We all know this, so I'm going to read far too much into it. But I just thought it was interesting because sometimes I think the words are out of their mouth before they realise the impact or if you're kind of on the lookout for it. But anyway, um, you know, look at Rasul Douglas underperforming. Devondre Campbell has been injured and then he's back. And, um, you know, there's Quay Walker missing tackles. But look at Jair Alexander. I mean, the guy's the, being paid, you know, top money for cornerback in this league. And there's, there's absolute blown... Co- like, it, the stuff is shocking. I mean, he gets beaten badly. Now, the thing is, you know, there's been an awful lot made of it this season. But if you actually look into last season, the same happens. And it happens in within games where he would get smoked and then all of a sudden he will come down with an interception people tend to forget, the, you know, the massive blunder that he made beforehand. Um, but, you know, without even delving into the stats behind it. And he's oh, right up there with the Pro Bowl voting, you know, because he has that attitude, that swagger, and he's, his play is fantastic. Apart from when he gets absolutely smoked. um. It doesn't pass the eye test. You know, before you delve into the stats, if you just look at some of those plays and you look at the receivers that are coming down with the ball, it's pretty shambolic stuff. Now, you can say it's hard to point a finger here, you know, and it's the same with quarterback when you look at Aaron Rodgers and you look at Matt LaFleur and you wonder to yourself, what's happening here? You know, who's calling these plays? Is Aaron Rodgers audibling? Away from it all is Matt LaFleur's lack of creativity. And then you see Rogers on this pitch saying, what the hell are we doing here? This is garbage kind of thing. And then you have to point the finger at Matt LaFleur and he points the finger at himself. And then he talks about high standards for, um, for Rogers and all that kind of stuff. But whatever you say about Joe Barry is that the missed tackles are absolutely horrendous. And there comes a time where the players just need to lock up on fundamentals. And this is where something that Gudukun said kind of tweaked my attention, is that someone asked him, what the hell is wrong with this defense? And he said, look, you know, the defense, we've got superstar names, but we need them to play as a team. You know, you need to go out there and make that sort of sacrifice. So I don't know if there's something going on behind the scenes where there's a slight insubordination, where people don't want to play as that cohesive unit. They're going for the, you know, the big home run hits. Um, Is it a Preston Smith situation where you know he was asked to drop into coverage and he did and then he got slated because his stats were down? um, And then Aaron Rodgers as well. When, when LaFleur came in and his stats were down because he was handing the ball off more because it was a run-first offense, we were told, with that big playability. So you have to have a player who's willing to swallow a certain amount of his ego and not focus on stats. And I don't know if there's enough players and we could delve into it for another day. Is there enough players with contract decisions coming up where they need to put their own stuff on tape, or is that just a throwaway comment? Uh, because at the end of that quote, actually, that I played of Aaron Rodgers, he puts in there has to be mutual agreement on both sides. Now, that seems like a pretty obvious statement. Uh, but, of course, everyone sort of pricked up their ears and said, oh, you know, what vibes is he getting then? Is he is he getting the vibe that they they don't want to keep him around? Um, but the last thing I'll say about the defense is, and this is what I got sort of... I'm not going to say slated. Let's not be overdramatic. I think it was one lad with his... Um, sort of you know delete this opinion but when you look at Justin Fields uh, the next gen stats again had a top speed on him of 20.15 miles per hour and a 56 yard touchdown run it's his 8th carry over 20 miles an hour this season which means that he has more 20 plus miles per hour carries in 2022 than any player has in a season since 2018 now all of those did not come against the Packers So what does that mean? It means that Justin Fields is a very dangerous guy when he gets run. They also released another thing on next-gen stats which got them absolutely pasted was that the Packers played zone coverage on 100% of their pass plays in Week 13. Now, the key here is that it was pass plays uh, becoming just the second defense to do so in a game this season. And the strategy to keep eyes on Justin Fields was effective because Fields had a season-low seven yards on just two scramble runs, uh, which meant that he was on a pass play they moved him around in the pocket. He was scrambling about and they downed him for a low of seven yards. Now, underneath that, people are like, oh yeah, well, he had a 56-yard touchdown run so how do you figure? Um, but again, they're talking about, you know, what's a designed run versus what's a pass play and that's the sort of caveat there. Again, it could be another way of you looking at stats and saying, well, look, you can manipulate these things however you want. However, it seems like that the the tactic that Barry obviously chose was, and it's pretty popular and it's got, what's got the, the Green Bay Packers defense pasted, um over the you know, since the season started really, is that they're playing too much zone. And when they play zone, they leave these gaping holes and there's people either running through them or it's blown coverages for big pass plays. And we saw a lot of them happen in this game. So when you look at that you're thinking, right, I understand the strategy, um, but I, I don't understand the missed tackles and I don't understand, you know, playing so far off a player. Uh, like Jerry Alexander did on a couple of occasions where they come down with this ball again and again and you're thinking, how are we giving up such massive pass plays? Uh, and the reason was is because, you know, we get smoked by Jalen Hurts, absolutely annihilated, career highs for everybody in the audience, like a Late Late Show or Oprah Winfrey Show. Um, so they just want to make sure that they don't get embarrassed like that again. But it, that's the whole pick your poison part of the NFL. You try stop the scrambling quarterback and what do you get? You get passes that are going to connect. Um, and that's exactly what happened with Justin Fields and so I put out there and said look while it is disappointing that Justin Fields is able to rip off that massive run uh, and complete these passes he's been doing this to teams all season I'm not saying he's a fantastic quarterback but he's certainly certainly showing promise blending words now um, so you know it's the other team get paid to play too um, but Let's get on to the quarterback situation, if I may. So, you know, there's this whole clamoring, and and this is what I was sort of saying. Look, the the playoff chances uh, coming into this game, I believe, are 3%. uh, That was upgraded somehow to 6%, and now they're 11.5% coming in after that win from the Bears. So when you look at that and you're kind of thinking, well, maybe they might wrangle it, and you look at some of these sort of predictions, and they don't even have the Packers on in the chase at all. They kind of just write them off. And that all depends on how we come out of the bye week against the Rams, who have now acquired Baker Mayfield, uh, which is another talking point. But anyway, they asked, you know, we were looking at it and going, all right, I was looking at it and saying, you know, we saw Love, uh, everyone, again, he has a, a bad couple of plays. People are saying, oh, he's garbage, you know, you can't go with him. He has a good quarter. And people are like, oh, quarterback in the future, you know. And it's just so reactive again. But what I would say is, is that, like, you know, let's temper the expectations. He needs to be out there. You need to blood the guy. You know, Favre's first completion was to himself. Aaron Rodgers certainly didn't light it up in his performance either. Um, and there was sort of this whole thing about that they rebuilt these mechanics, right? So for us... What we were looking at was like, right, we got a glimpse and it was looking really, really good. And he leads a touchdown drive. Again, airman Christian Watson comes up in that conversation again. Uh, And again, you sort of look at that and go, is he making Love look better? And, you know, all this type of stuff. And people are talking about the chemistry he has with Watson, which is laughable. But you stall it there because Goody got asked, you know, have you seen enough from Jordan Love to know what your decision is going to be when it comes because Aaron Rodgers said of its mutual uh, decision? But Goody said two things to me uh, that were really interesting. One is that he said he's seen enough from Love. And you look at that and you look at the, you know, you need proper game time. And people were saying, oh, look, you know, our offense was really struggling against a top five defense when it came to practice. And then we realized, oh, they're not a top five defense at all. And... you know, but then you have the defence who can key in on the tendency, so it might make them better. So they were looking at that and going, you know, you've seen everything you need to see from Rogers. He's got his practice in Jordan Love as if he goes up and plays with the ones. But that's what's interesting, that Goody said that with Rogers carrying knocks and injuries and they have to, you know, limit his workload, he has seen Jordan Love playing with the ones and running with the ones. Um so he seems to where well, this is what he's saying outwardly anyway. Is that he's seen enough from Jordan Love. That could be a number of things that's in play there. Like one is that he's trying to deflect away from that decision. Two, you know, he's not trying to show his hand to Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers' team um, about what's going to happen in the future. And he's going to let on, even though, let's face it, Aaron Rodgers has a way different reality than what we have. He's going to be seeing Jordan Love. They're all going to have a good vibe on exactly where... Uh, Jordan is at now Rogers did come out when pressed on it and say look if it was a case that playoffs were completely out of the picture uh, yes I'd I'd be open to sitting and letting Love in there because another conspiracy theory was is that Rogers had sore ribs that he had uh, that broken uh, finger and so what he was doing was he was playing because he knew how good Love was and he needed to get in and keep his job I don't think that's the case the second thing uh, that I found interesting with what Goody says around that was is that he's going to keep going with a Rod, um, if there's a, a sort of a, a small chance that they could reach the playoffs, and that's frustrating, I guess. But it's more frustrating for maybe media and for fans who want to get another look at Jordan Love because if it's the assumption that he is the future, be it not next year, if they call the option and you know pay through the year for him, somehow manage that in the cap space and whatever you know magic stuff that they can do to keep Jordan Love around but then he was also asked would they trade him and he says yeah you never know what's going to happen so I mean he's not writing that off either but he said look when you have a back-to-back MVP you put him out there and you keep winning because he owes that to the guys in the locker room again frustrating right because you're looking at it and going right we've no chance of making the playoffs and he says he's still going to play Aaron Rodgers and what what good does that do you need to blood a guy because at the same time Goodakunst did say you need to see a guy play in game time uh, so you know it's a little bit contradictory but they asked him why Why would you do that? You know, I mean, they sink into that whole thing about, oh, if you'd have a better draft pick and it's a guilt-edged opportunity to blood new guys and give them game experience. And his quote was, winning is a culture thing. Because you look at the Packers now and they're they're all-time winning as team. They took that over from the Bears by beating the Bears, which is poetic enough anyway, which is again another reason why, because we put out a poll, who would you prefer to see? Jordan Love, if you were head coach. Jordan Love, or Aaron Rodgers play against the Bears. And it was really 50-50. I think after the game, there was some sneaky votes in there, which put it to 51-49 to A-Rod. Um, but look, I think there's an awful lot of stock in that because the Packers are very paranoid about it. And it seemed like, to me anyway, from an outsider and from talking to journalists and, and the people around the team, it seemed like they were really, really concerned after that NFC Championship game that the losing mentality was kind of stinking up the locker room. You know, it was kind of haunting that team if you will. Um, Because you look at Ron Wolf and he came in, the first thing he did to the locker room was saying, look lads, most of these are going to be gone. And he gutted the locker room and made loads of changes. Goody came in and it was very clear from the off that he was going to get into the O-line. It doesn't matter how veteran these players are, how valuable they seem to the O-line. He was going to get rid of them if there was a whisper that there was that toxicity there. And that's what was pointed at TJ Lang and Josh Sitton way back in the day was that there was a bit of disgruntlement there because they were paying back Tiari big money and they wanted money as well, but they had back injuries. And what was he going to do? And then in a massive shock, they were gone. Uh, again, it took a year lag between the two. But when Gudekun says it, I don't think that that's lip service. I, I think he's trying to walk the tightrope between to keep the winning culture um, to you know, keep the revenue going. There's an awful lot on it. I mean, you know, the Packers are a losing team. They suck. We see the attendance go right down. Even we witnessed it live, live when we were over there. I mean, you know, the Cowboys game. The tickets were crazy expensive, and the Titans. They were expensive before when we bought them. Uh, but then when some of the lads, including myself, went to upgrade the tickets, to, you know, to get an indoor club or whatever. Uh, we could do it at a much cheaper price because the attendance had plummeted because there was a poor run of games. Um now they spiked slightly um, you know, after the Cowboys game because that hope came back. Uh, but still, you know, y- it's, it's that type of way, isn't it? That you need to keep that winning up. And after that NFC Championship game, the team morale, there seemed to be a bit of a ghost around the locker room, which they just got rid of with, you know, getting rid of Mike McCarty, um, bringing Gudekunst in, bringing floor in and really turning this stuff around. So it started to stink up the place a little bit. And I think before that becomes fever pitch in the locker room and people start pointing fingers and, you know, ripping each other apart, I think, you know, Gudekunst, there's a rumour uh Cassidy Hill the beat reporter so I guess it's not a rumor she said she got into a lift with Kunst, uh, and he got into the lift after the Cowboys game and he put his head back against the lift closed his eyes and just let out this massive sigh and that must be what it feels like is that you're trying to just get out of this funk that you're in mid-season and you know there's so much change as we said between offensive coordinator Luke getsy has gone uh Devontae Adams is gone and all the other changes that happened and you know switch up on the O-line um you know, so it, it's the team trying to get to grips with so much stuff and it, trying to find that identity just simply didn't work. But if you look at the Bills game and you look at the Eagles game, you know we could have stuck it to both of those teams, and we certainly shouldn't have lost against the Titans. So our record could have looked an awful lot better. But maybe this is a blessing, as I say in disguise, with the emergence of Christian Watson and that backup plan. Um, those nice little sound bites, though. Uh, you'd be glad to know that. Um, anyway, I let him say. I let him say it himself listen to this there was lots of um, I don't know what you call them. there wasn't really any opportunities that presented themselves that made any sense um, there was a lot of conversation uh-huh. you know, and there was a lot of things that hey uh-huh. this might this Come might out. help us there you go conversation folks Elvis said it a little less conversation a little more action please I think he's done quite well but it's just he's in conversation again but look it, let it not stop there folks um, but it's like anything I think you have to have a walkway point, away point and, and when like those anything, prices yeah. became certain prices we walked away Clever. Clever the walk away. It's like anything. You know? Creditating you know, and all cred. You know what? It's one of those uh, office tropes. Sometimes they what they should really have in the office is like a little bingo card. If anyone circles back, uh, takes that offline, uh, I'll get back to you ASAP. You know, anything like that. And he's really hit the bingo card there. So he's been in conversation. It's like anything. Like anything. Um, I've definitely got to go to good. Good. uh When uh, it comes to life advice. Um, that was the only sort of clangor. During these pressers. I rather enjoyed this one. That's a dumb question. No. Oh, I'm going to <laughs> anyway. So delicious uh oh, Banta. Just it's a spicy. Um you like a bit of Bantasaurus, Rex. Um and last one I promise, this sound bite tickled me as well. Because, you know, we're we're looking at Aaron Jones and we're like, get him the ball. Anyway, I'll let Matt LaFleur explain it, but this is just you know, sometimes I find he's a bit nervous and sweaty up there. Um, and squeaky-bone time, but th- this was glorious. Obviously, Christian scored a lot of touchdowns for you. Um, does he need to get the ball more? I don't mean, like, forcing him the ball, but are there opportunities to get him the ball? Because he does a lot of touchdowns, but not a lot of touches. Uh, yeah. Then it's going to go back to Aaron Jones not getting the ball. So. Um, Amazing. Quick, very quick with it. Uh, and that is the case. Sometimes you have so many weapons and that's how you spread them around and they get that balance wrong. And I think they have got the balance wrong, as everyone knows, throughout this season. And that's not using Aaron Jones even as a receiving threat. Um, A couple of more things to touch on and then I'm going to end um with just a, another sort of Goudicund's quote is, you know, back to you, Ari's appendectomy. Oh my God. You know, between his knee sort of being up and down depending on... You know, I don't know how he wakes up in the morning, um, to prep, um, and stuff like that. But what I would say for for bacteria, so you know, Matt Lafleur Brian Kudokins was asked the question. I mean, how do you sort of weigh out that risk between him obviously carrying this injury and maybe carrying this injury for years or for the rest of his career till he retires, versus you know how available he is to play. Um, you know, he was talking about that. You know, these guys don't grow on trees. But when you look at Bakhtiari, he's been near flawless when he has been back, which is a real Paul McGrath uh, sort of moment. Uh, incredible. Absolutely incredible, his performance. So, you know, there's there's two sort of schools of thought, really, isn't there? I mean, you bring back Aaron Rodgers, you want to protect him, so you get Bakhtiari back, but then can you afford it? And the way Rodgers' contract is, is set up anyway. The way my bank got it set up. It's between the check-ins and the savings. Um, and then you look at Bakhtiari and how much you, you're paying him and, you know, what do you do? And there's this whole get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to his contract. And then you look at Jordan Love and you think, well, if you've got a young guy in there, you need to give him as much time as he can to go through his read. So it makes sense to have David Bakhtiari in there, um. you know, as much as he can. And then you see the emergence of Zach Tom and how well he played and Rodgers was praising him as well. So it's just one of those decisions, really. And what I would say about Rogers is, and he spoke about not being on his back, um, which is important for him with the rib injury. You know, as much as he's being criticized about wanting to be out there and is he damaging the team with his sore thumb and the ribs and all that kind of stuff, uh, just, um, he is a competitor. And I mean, I've sort of taken umbrage, if you will, with the sort of theatrics and the shenanigans of like grimacing faces and holding ribs and holding thumbs and limping and all of that kind of stuff, you know you know as a father of two kids you see it all the time you know what I mean it's like Peter from Family Guy sometimes now I'm not downplaying the level of injury that some of these players have sometimes it's car crash stuff literally it's horrendous and um, but I just thought Rogers really tufted in uh, in this game and I just a couple of the scrambles that he made and you look at it and I was I was thinking you know if he gets hit or downed at all uh, he's going to be in a bad way because we saw Rogers in tears talking about Jordy Nelson that time when he was all wrapped up with the ribs you know Nelson came back to play in the playoffs that time Um, but I guess I'll end here and this is in line almost with what LaFleur was saying about you know it's kind of pick your poison when it comes to do you go with Watson do you go with try get Dubs more involved when he comes back and you know do you get Aaron Jones more do you get people moaning at you for that look at AJ Dillon and his sort of you know production or lack of production at times And Gutekunst was asked about the quarterback situation. I mean, what do you do? And it's hard to know whether you're in a good position or a bad position. Um, You know, but according to him, is that you take the rough and the smooth when it comes to having good quarterback play. And if you feel like, and again, this could be a bit of bluster on Love's part, but maybe not. And it's always going to be a step down when you're going from Rogers to anybody else. But, you know, this whole thing of you take what you can when it comes to quarterback play, you know, if, if that's the price that you have to pay, um, well, then that's what you have to do. So he says, whatever comes with having great QBs is worth it. So you have to go through these headaches. You have to go through the diva behavior. You have to get a plane physically and fly down to this quarterback to try talk him down off a stance of retiring or whatever. And it seems like a bad thing at the time. And the fan base is raging and, you know, we have bad opinions and you're talking about these players and their egos and all that kind of stuff. But that's the price you pay for genius. And I have said it before, is that you're not going to get a, a genius like Aaron Rodgers and not have baggage with that. It comes with baggage. You know, whatever they say, but he's off field stuff. And we've certainly taken exception with how he's handled some of that situation and other stuff you look from afar and you don't understand it. Um, but certainly when it comes to the field, he makes incredible decisions. And decisions and throws... Um, and the way he's able to read defenses, there's nothing that this guy doesn't know the majority of the time he makes mistakes and he has made mistakes this season and um, you can put that down to you know, hand injuries you can put it down to probably a lot of things that we'll never find the true answer for but in the words of Brian Gudekunst, who probably heard it from Ron Wolf, is that when you have an elevated level or a Hall of Fame quarterback it's going to be a bumpy ride and that's just what you have to do you know it's like if you have anybody uh, of Annie's brilliance in your life it never comes with you know no baggage there's always something there usually and that's the way it is and it was really nice to hear that from him you know um and I don't know whether that's to put out there that you know we've got a good one in love and tried to play both sides off each other to kind of you know because he asked him have you had this discussion with Rodgers and he says no this is an off-season conversation we haven't discussed it now now is that true I don't know would he say it if it wasn't? Again, don't know. It's all games and you know smoke and mirrors. Because here we are talking about it. You know, had he said more, we would have been talking about that. Now, does that have any real impact or whatever? Probably not. But then we've seen people and their agents openly admit to leaking stuff before to try gain some leverage. So you know, this is a, a hundreds of million dollar game when you're dealing with quarterbacks and contracts and futures and all that kind of stuff. Um, So I guess it all depends on how the season ends. But look, you know we kind of have hope. We're not out of it yet. I can imagine that A-Rod will play until he gets knocked out, if that happens, hopefully not. Um, And we won't get a good look at Jordan Love. But if we're going to trust the top brass, and they said they've seen enough in Jordan Love to make that decision, well then, the decision will be what it will be. And there's no bearing that we're going to have as fans if we get another look at Jordan Love. Because all it will take is is for one grisly game from Jordan Love, which would be entirely understandable. um, And the fan base will write him off again and say he's not the future, keep the, the MVP, the back-to-back MVP. When Lil Wayne is writing A-Rod off and then coming back and apologising, you know. You know, because like what everyone says, I mean, if you're in a tough situation, what would Lil Wayne do? But anyway, I've been at Steedy the NFL. We've been at UK Packers. The Packers are on a bye week, which is going to be interesting to see. And I'm going to do another podcast delving into our bye week form and You know, matchups to watch and all that good stuff next week. So, we're not going to be taking the week off. Every single week, we release a podcast. Usually, it's two with quick snaps. Obviously, we've no game this uh, week, so we're not going to be doing quick snaps on that. But look, if you're interested in signed merch and all that kind of jazz, then you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. If you get enough, we'll be sending someone to Lambeau Field on the group trip. All expenses paid which is a couple of grand, uh, which would be fantastic. But if not, check out the videos on youtube.com forward slash UK Packers um, and follow all the socials and get into that private Facebook group as well. Anyway, off to a winning start. Hopefully, um, you know, this isn't a, well, a winning end before the bye week, I guess. So hopefully this isn't the Packers Super Bowl um, and that we can sort of make some sort of a run at it. If not, let's see what happens. But anyway, until next week, folks, Go Pack Go.